Hey friends, this is Jessica Levity Day Lover, reminding you that you are not alone on the polyamorous path. If you're looking for peer support or coaching on your non-monogamous journey, and you want to work with the day lovers, head to remodeledlove.com and book with us today. Oh, bless you. Did you sneeze? No, well, no, I, I, I was a little phlegmy no. from the sesame chicken. I was, just like, I was basically hogging a loogie. Everything's fine. That's definitely going to be our cold open to the episode of the <laughs> Are we live? Are we recording? Is this thing on? Hello, lovas. Jess here with a special episode of Remodeled. A year ago, right on the cusp of the pandemic, Reno's legendary comedy family, the Utility Players, were getting ready for our annual family reunion. A once-a-year show where members of the original cast of comedians come together to drop an unforgettable evening of side-splitting laughter upon our dearest city. Every year, that show brings to town one of my oldest friends and comedic cohorts, all the way from Chicago now, Shane Tolomeo. Shane was one of the very first people Joe and I came out to back in our early days of polyamorous exploration, when we were still very scared and very closeted. Shane was always someone you could tell anything to. He was open and supportive and loving. And now I also think a piece of my polyamorous heart was seeing his before either of us realized it. Now, seven years later, Shane is living as a happy, healthy, polyamorous gay man, and this interview will be the first in an ongoing series throughout the seasons of Remodeled, which seek to capture the spirit of different kinds of relationships, especially those of us practicing various forms of non-monogamy. Representation is important, and on the matter of identity, Shane identifies as a white, cisgendered, gay male, able-bodied, extroverted, and naturally polyamorous. The first half of this episode features the in-studio recording I grabbed last March while Shane was in Reno, and I have to apologize, there was something off about Shane's mic that I didn't catch before recording, and so his sound quality is not ideal. I thought I could fix it in post-production, but alas, I could not. So please bear with me as the interview is too fun to not release. The second half of the episode features a follow-up interview with Shane, recorded just a few nights ago via Zoom, where Shane and the day lovers catch up a bit, and then Shane dives into his total nerdum and discusses some very exciting polyamorous things beginning to unfold in the Marvel universe right now, which represents a huge shift toward the expansion of our cultural semiology. So without further ado, here's our first polyamorous profile, Shane Tolomeo, super gay, super poly, super nerd on Remodeled, the podcast. You're listening to Remodeled. I am your polyamorous mama, Jessica Levity Daylover. And with me, my lover, my partner, my baby daddy, Mr. Daylover. What is up? Oh, you know, just recording in Dream Life Studio, which is also known as the Rip Den. Importantly. <laughs> this is where we bring our other lovers. Speaking of bring our other lovers, in the Rip Den, I mean Dream Life Studio with us today, one of my most very goodest friends, Shane Tolomeo. Very goodest most friends. I like that. Thank Hello. you. Hi. So Shane was in town for the Utility Player Family Reunion show, and it was amazing. It was. All my dreams. Mine too. I'm kind of coming down from a peak experience right now. I'm a little depressed. Same. Okay. 300 people packed inside Cargo Music Hall. Yeah. Peak experience. Um, and I was telling Shane um, that we were getting ready to launch this new podcast series. And who would have known 12 something years ago when we met? Was that... Yeah. That, yeah. Oh my God. 12 years ago that we would end up these little polyamorous babies free and exploring the world. I could have guessed. Shane's kind of a whore. <laughs> um, tell the world like who you are, where you're living, what your age is and what your relationship status currently is. Yeah. Uh, well, my name is Shane. I am currently living in Chicago, Illinois. I'm 35. I think I stopped counting. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, current relationship status is I do have one partner. I describe us currently as a non-practicing polyamorous couple in the sense that neither of us are dating other people, but we are completely open. Yeah, so you are non-monogamous Very. is the most umbrella. Correct. Uh, but actively dating is something that is on the table for both of us and is acceptable and we communicate about it. We're just... 
very busy people and yeah. right now I don't have time for more than one boyfriend. So. <laughs> Shane was so cute the other day. I don't know what we were talking about. We were just talking about dating or something and you looked at me and you're like, mm, I want another boyfriend. <laughs> I do. I do secretly want another boyfriend. And I was like, oh my God, you're me. <laughs> like, it's just like, you know, I want another futon. <laughs> I want another futon. We have one futon. I really want another one. I don't need another <laughs> futon. I just would kind of like it to be in the other room in case <laughs> that's where I wanted to lay down. <laughs> just don't bring a second futon into the house before getting consent from the primary futon. Exactly. So, you know, I remember that you kind of came out to me as polyamorous because you knew I was polyamorous and we were like, <laughs> you know years ago so what was your i mean you're a burner i don't even know if that factors into this but it's just a world in which alternative lifestyles are more normalized and so did you have to like realize you were polyamorous what was your foyer foray foray is a room you stand in what was your front room to this whole experience <laughs> you know what i said what i said <laughs> and i stand by that what was your foray into polyamory it was always something i was very curious about especially seeing your successful polyamorous relationship and always, I won't say always, but being in other relationships and realizing that like, yeah, I do love this person and I enjoy being with this person, but maybe those other things I enjoy too that this one person's not willing to do or does not enjoy or who knows what the, the mindset behind, you know, where they're at with, with different things. And you so. don't even mean sex. No, not yeah, at all. Not even just sexually, just like video games. Video or games yeah. or going outside and being outdoorsy because like I love my current partner but he loves to sit on the couch and play video games I'm like cool I'm gonna go to the beach it's nice outside today um, and so finding different partners who can go through and experience those different life things with you and are willing to do it okay so what you're saying is we played a little bit of a role in you here did. That's you did so I was cute. I was peer pressured into poly uh, no I'm just kidding it was a, a choice I made on my own um, when I went to Chicago I met m my boyfriend that I had a few years ago and started off as a random hookup in a bar <laughs> I stayed the night because I don't know how to do things without strings and <laughs> we woke up the next morning and we were talking trying to get to know each other a little bit and I was like just so you know like monogamy is not something that I'm interested in and I was like that's kind of cool because I think I want to try a polyamorous lifestyle mm -hmm. Not that we started dating that moment, but knowing that monogamy was not on the table for him meant it was something that I could continue to explore with him in the polyamorous side. That's so cool. What a great invitation. And so what was that like for you learning that this was a thing, that polyam existed? We talked about this in episode one when we learned it was a thing and went, holy crap. And so what was that like for you? Probably. I couldn't say that there's an exact moment. I'd have to say like being in the gay culture, threesomes and even sometimes multiple partners feel more accepted in within that culture, within that group of people. So I always knew that things like that were a possibility. However, I would say giving it a word, a title, polyamory, polyamorous relationships probably came around the same time where the two of you started talking about it. Mm. Okay. So, and a lot of times you've dropped, you're like, hey, I'm an ethical slut. Now, is that actually a book that you've read? Like, that's like the Bible of modern millennial polyamory. Have you read it? I have not read it. I have read snippets out of it that yeah, other people, yeah, that other people have uh, sent to me. But I just really like the term of ethical slut. Yeah, me too. Well, because it celebrates sluttiness. Yeah. Like, and it changes the, we like to use the word semiology a lot. Semiology is like the way that you view the world and the way that you interpret signs and symbols. And so when you see a, a boy wearing a dress, that boy is breaking your semiology of what a boy should be wearing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, the term ethical slut um, breaks the semiology of, of a lot of things, actually, on many deep layers. So follow up question. So as you were discovering this about yourself, do you feel that your polyamory is as much a part of your identity as your gayness? As the point to where I'm at now? Yeah, I do. I don't think they're I'll never stop being gay. That's for sure. And I also don't think I'll ever stop being polyamorous because I like the... I don't say the options, but kind of I like the options. I like the feeling it gives, the freedom it gives. And I also, more importantly, like the communication it brings out in any partner that mm. I have. Because I don't feel the need to not talk or shy away from any topic because I talk about 
every topic because you have to in order to have a successful polyamorous relationship. And so with your current partner, were you guys always poly? Did it unfold naturally? How did that work? Uh, Well, I met my current partner while I was dating my last partner. uh, And we kind of started seeing each other during that. And then my last partner and I broke up through no fault of my current partner. Uh, And in fact, I kind of pushed my current partner away after that breakup because I wanted to make sure that that's not why I left my old partner. Oh, good for you. Yeah, it was was really important to me. And then he ended up kind of seeing this other guy that was not interested in polyamory and that kind of got taken away from me for a minute which I was also very depressed about I didn't realize how much I wanted my current partner until that moment Uh, and then once we did get together we spent uh, a solid amount of time building our relationship the foundation the foundation before we started looking before I started looking elsewhere at for anything whether it just be a sexual encounter or be something a little bit more Totally. I think I, so we do polyamory coaching because there are so many couples out there who want to try it and feel called to it, but there's no cultural narrative, which is why we're doing this podcast. Um, And so we just try to step in and help them and show and be a, a healthy example for people. And I tell people all the time, like when you first meet and fall in love, unless you both have a history, a long history of polyamory, you're probably going to be monogamous by default for a minute. And I recommend it while you build the foundation. Because then like, eventually there's just an energy shift where you're like, you know what? I'm kind of curious what's over there. And we're good. And I'm like, I know you're going to be here when I get home. I know I can leave for a couple days and you're going to be right where I left you and possibly even having fun on your own. If you try to do that too early and you're not both already super secure polyamorous people, like it can you won't build the foundation correctly. But people are like, if I'm going to be polyamorous, do we have to have done it from the beginning? I'm like, no. But it just happens naturally sometimes, I think, where you're like, you're on the high of like being in love with someone and you're like, I'm not really looking anywhere I don't else. need anything right now. <laughs> I have a lot to explore right here and right. I'm going to continue to do that. When we first got together, I told him, I was like, I have embraced this polyamorous lifestyle and it's not something I'm willing to give up. And before we move forward, you need to know that. Right. So I'm willing to be monogamous right now, but right. I need you to know that in the future, I'm probably, I am going to want to. Right. That's cool. It seems like from our perspective, from most of the people that we know, their story is similar to yours, where they didn't just, bam, become poly one day. They decided that on the heels of a monogamous relationship. Is this his first polyamorous relationship? Yes, I believe so. And is he thriving? Um, Like I said before, he's kind of an introvert and he enjoys his time at home and his time alone. Um, So it's not something that he's seriously explored, but there has been mentions like we were out at a bar and he was like, oh, is it okay if if I go make out with that person? I was like, yeah, go. I don't don't care. (laughs) I'm going to be over here maybe making out with that person. Like, it's fine. Go have fun. Yeah, go have fun. Uh, at the end of the day, like like you said, like, I'm always going to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that polyamory came very naturally to you? It did. Yeah. I didn't realize how easy it was going to be for me <laughs> until I started it. Yeah, right on. And I thought I would be maybe a little bit jealous. Mm-hmm. But so far, I haven't really come across any major pangs of jealousy. Mm-hmm. So that's because of the excellent communication skills. I think so. For the most part. And people always, and it's like, if you're listening to this, like, and you're like, oh, I could never be polyamorous because I get jealous. I'm here to tell you, it's really a small percentage of polyamorous people like Shane who are like, "Ah, I'm just naturally really not jealous. You can still be polyamorous and be someone who experiences jealousy. Absolutely. Shane's just really super, super not like that. Yeah. Um, And I think it's perfectly natural to experience Mm -hmm. jealousy. And as long as you're willing to talk about mm-hmm. it, then it's perfectly fine. The only part where it comes becomes unhealthy is if you get jealous and you don't talk about it and you build up resentment towards the situation. And start playing games and retaliating yeah. and like doing subtle, pulling on your subtle control dramas. Like, I'm going to act aloof when my partner gets home from their date to subconsciously and psychically punish them for having had a good time. And then they'll be left wondering why I'm in a bad mood and why I have this look on. It's That's the shit that yeah. people do. And that will tear down any relationship. polyamorous monogamous anything is lack of communication yeah it did come so easily to you did it also come easily to your partner who this is his first polyamorous relationship absolutely not okay where were the struggles uh in the beginning it was there was jealousy um going to burning man that's something that i was doing when he knew i was going to burning man right after we got together uh in fact like we 
decided that we were boyfriends and we we're going to do this. And then I went to Burning Man like two weeks later and I told him, I was like, just so you know, I've already made the goal to myself to like experience as much as I can at Burning Man. And that probably means I'm going to end up having sex with somebody else. And I did. It, that did happen. Um, but it was in a completely like no strings type of way because it's in the middle of the desert and I don't even know their real name. It was probably like, I don't know, Blue Flutter Butterfly or something <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> I wish them happiness on their journey. <laughs> uh, so we talked about that and you know, we were very, I was very open in communication. Like, yes, I did hook up with somebody and I can tell the jealousy was there. Mm -hmm. And part of it was, I'm jealous you did this. Part of it was, I'm jealous that you did this without me. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe even part of it for him was like, I'm jealous that you did this and I did not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, those are all really um, common layers. That was really well said. And it's hard for a newbie who's uncomfortable feeling an uncomfortable emotion like jealousy to even be able to navigate through those layers. Like a lot of times we just trigger into jealousy and our ego starts trying to um, find the antidote through some kind of control or power or punishment or something like that. And actually when you start to apply a little bit of rationality to the jealousy, you start to find that there's nothing there really. And a lot of times that jealousy is just a cover for a need for control and safety, but we don't want to admit that. So it will easier manifest as throwing shade at your partner or not communicating what you're really actually upset about. Mm. Mm. Well said. Amen. And speaking of Burning Man, since we talk a lot on this podcast about rewiring your expectations or standards, I've heard from a lot of people who've been, I haven't been myself, that polyam is the more dominant relationship model at Burning Man. Have you found that to be true? I don't know if I'd call it polyamory necessarily. However, one of the core values of Burning Man is immediacy. Um, and just kind of like learning to let go and experience everything that may or may not happen to you while you're out there. And a lot of couples go out there knowing that and knowing that the environment itself is very sexually charged because people go out with that mindset of like, I can experience so many things that maybe are looked down upon at home or my normal friend group would look down at me for wanting to experience or learn more about. And out there it's like, well, I'm in the middle of the desert with thousands of strangers no one's here to judge me you know it's it's freedom of self-expression and people go there wanting to express themselves in ways that they can't at home so they go there maybe they have experiences they're not used to there are polyamorous camps out there so those things exist it just becomes more socially acceptable i think because of the freedom of self-expression mm. Well said. And also not just the freedom of self-expression, but also I think there's something to the self-reliance. Yeah, radical self-reliance. Yeah, and I think in a really poetic, deep way, um, polyamory is about radical self-reliance because you are responsible for your own happiness. And so if there is something that you want that your current partner isn't giving you, it's kind of on you to like go make that happen or at least claim it for yourself, even if you decide not to fulfill it, but to be able to be so in tune with yourself to know this is something I would like to experience and I can't just expect it to be given to me. Right. Yeah. And so Burning Man by default is more polyamorous in nature. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. yeah so it's more that way by virtue of the event itself. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I can see that. So back to something you said earlier that non-monogamy, not specifically polyamory, but non-monogamy is common in the gay world. We sort of had a conversation, a very non-scientific conversation about our theories on that, but I would love to just put that on, on the podcast and just, what do you think that is as a gay man in the world? I'm not a gay man in that world, so my theories are purely conjecture, but... It's definitely... You know, years ago, being gay was already a taboo. So sleeping around with multiple partners is also taboo. And it's like, well, if I'm already doing one thing, I might as well do it all. Though, you know, there's so many people who look down on me just for being gay. Well, now I'm going to give them a reason, if you will. Not that you should ever look down on anything sexually, because that's not my beliefs. However, if you ask society, it's different. So there's always that. And then you also have to look at the fact that there are definite roles in the bedroom for gay men. There are tops, there are bottoms, there are people who are versed, and there's some who are strict tops or strict bottoms. And if you fall in love 
with a strict top and you're averse and all they ever want to do is top. And they're like, well, no, I want to top sometimes. Well, they're, they're like, I, no, I, I'm sorry, I don't bottom. So it's either now have to live with without something that you want just because it doesn't work that way. Or you can open your relationship and be like, oh, I understand. I'm not going to give that to you. Let me open your grinder so you can find it. <laughs> that That's a semiology breaking moment right there. Like you can almost hear the glass shattering and people who are listening to this or who hear a story like that of like reaching over, opening your partner's phone and being like, here you go, found someone. And it really is just an alternative narrative. Absolutely. It really is just this. There is this whole other way that you could choose to be living. But the option was not shown to us in Disney movies, sitcoms, dramas, anything. And so we don't it doesn't occur to us. And something I want to go back to is you were talking about in your current relationship, you started off monogamous and you said in the future, I'm going to, you know, want to return to polyamory. And I and you actually phrased it in a way that's like you're still polyamorous while you're being monogamous because polyamorous is the spirit of who you are. But you made the choice to be monogamous for the foundation part of your relationship, right. which I just want to say for the record, because I feel the same way, too. People always ask me, do you think you would ever be monogamous? I'm like, bitch, I'm always polyamorous, even if I am only with one person. Yep. <laughs> and then you said, like, there comes a point where you're like, ah, I think I'm ready. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on for so many people especially codependent monogamous people and those things aren't mutually inclusive like you could be codependent in polyamory trust me been there that's the that's the hurtful moment is when one partner's like you know what i think i'm ready um to explore something else with someone else that's the part where people are like are you saying i'm not enough for you but the way that you described it, it was so casual and you're in a room with poly people. So we were all like, oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Fine, yeah. yeah. Um, but what are your kind of like thoughts on that as far as anyone who's listening to this who may have either be the one who's like feeling guilty because they're like, mm, I kind of want to see what else is out there or um, their partner has said that to them and they're feeling this. What do you mean? I'm not everything to you. Talk about it. Talk about the feelings that you have. Talk about the feelings that they have. Find ways to come up with common ground, I think is really important. Just because you're communicating needs to your partner doesn't mean that they're not fulfilling you in mm. any sort of way. And I think that's really important to tell your partner so that they don't feel less than they are. Because that's where the ego goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, there are some needs that aren't being met. So you're saying that I'm not enough. Yeah. And it's just like, no, that's actually not. Yeah. It, that's saying. not exactly like you. Yeah. I think it's always really important to talk about like all the things that they do provide you mm -hmm. and are good for but then it's also talk about like hey you have more than one friend that you do different things with and there are reasons for that like doesn't mean that they're less of a friend or you like them any less than your other friend but like you have a friend that you call when you want to go online and play video games because that's your video game friend and then you also have a friend that you call whenever you want to go out and eat a bunch of junk food because that's your junk food eating friend yeah and it's not much different in a relationship but in our culture, because there's a penis or a vagina or something in between involved, it is. Right. Yeah. The second that there's some kind of genital or, you know, I've had people tell me, you know what? I could handle the idea of my husband sleeping with someone else. But the second that he has feelings for someone else, I would die. Oh, that's so ridiculous to me. <laughs> it's like you can only love one person your entire life. Right. And that's it. And the fact that you've loved many people over a timeline doesn't break that at all. Right. Like, you're like, well, it's only one at a time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Romantically. Romantically. Right. Because if you have kids, you can love multiple kids. Are you sure? Can you? <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. I will never find out. <laughs> I don't know if you've been following me on social media, but there's a friend of mine who is very monogamous and enjoys engaging. And she does. She asks good questions because she's fascinated by how different I am. Good. Um, but she's got six kids. And she's like, girl, don't you find... Because I posted something about a boyfriend and she's like, message me. Don't you find that loving another man diminishes your love for your husband? And I was like, girl, you got six times the kids that I do. <laughs> do not ask me that right. question. And then she was like, don't you ever confuse things about them? Like you'll think one story is about. And then I'm like, you do. Do you call your kids the wrong names? My mom calls me and my brother's name all the time. My mom has three kids and she's like, Jennifer, Ted, Jessica. Yep. And I get called all the Catholic saints before my mom gets to my name. <laughs> <laughs> Nice to have so many honorary titles, but there's also just a lot of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Joe is also one of six. Yeah. yeah, and and really it says if you're made uncomfortable by the idea of multiple partners, it really says more about your views of sex than it does anything else. And also how much you've let society tell yeah. you what you should be thinking. Totally. 
Do you have anything else that like you just want people to know about polyamory and how to navigate it, especially in the gay world? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's really important to decide what you want out of a non-monogamous or non-monogamous relationship, whether it being I just want to be able to have random sex. Like I have a friend who is in a monogamous relationship and I can tell you that he is missing the random sex that you have with strangers because nothing is like your first time with somebody you've never met before. And that there's a thrill that you have for that. Um, and so you need to learn how to figure out what you want. Like, do you want to stay with your partner and only have one partner or one boyfriend or one lover, but have the ability to have random hookups on the side? Or do you want to have more than one partner to experience different things in life with? And, you know, sometimes some of the beauty of being in a gay relationship where, you know, you can have a boyfriend with your partner mm-hmm. and you can be a thruple or whatever the pole is when you add more than three. A polycule? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. And that's that's a really fun thing to be able to explore, too. Like I can have we can have a boyfriend. We can have two boyfriends. We can have there could be two different couples that decide like, hey, we all like each other. We spend a lot of time together. Let's all be one big polycule. You know? <laughs> oh my god. Yes, that's my favorite. Which you actually did remind me of the question I had for you. Perfect. But before I get there, I just want to remind people, like if you're listening to this, I always tell people it's choose your own adventure. There's no one right way to be poly. So you could be a non monogamous couple who's like, you know what? I don't want you falling in love. I don't want to fall in love. But you know what? Get on grinder and you can have two random hookups a week or yeah. two a month or you can go out to dinner and flirt but you can't you know like you get to choose what your polyamory Absolutely. looks like which you should be able to do with any aspect of it. I like, know. it's your life live yeah. life the way that makes you happy yeah totally and so my question for you and I think this will be a great way to end it is do you have a polyamorous dream like do you are you like I know that I want two husbands for example or something like that I don't know okay. I think I do kind of want a a thruple. I won't lie to you. There's just something about like I like, love to cuddle. Mm-hmm. Like if I get to crawl into bed with two people and oh cuddle, with, totally. you know, if it's the three of us cuddling, hell yeah, give me that, give me that nonsense. Um, having to like be like, oh guys, we have to get a bigger bed. There's too many of us <laughs> and all your dogs and all of our dogs. Dream life. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would love to have a healthy thruple relationship cute i love that's my favorite question to ask people and mine changes all the time by the way mine would probably change all the time yeah. as well but then you just have to think about it like percentage of threesomes just went up oh, God, like, I know. through the roof <laughs> yeah people are always like just because they know i was like the more eager poly person they're always like is you know is joe like okay with this like with with you having other partners and girlfriends and such i'm like yeah yes. yeah I'm fine. (laughs) The amount of threesomes in this man's marriage is, you know what? And I feel like we're due, by the way. Nice. We have a friend who at one point, her and her partner were in a polycule with another couple and they lived together. And so the primary couples would sleep together most of the the week and then they had a schedule and it was like a couple days a week they would switch and they'd go to the other rooms and then be with the other partners. It's so fucking cute. As soon as I heard that story, that new semiology, I was like, I want that. And the other day on Reddit polyamory, there was a polycule that had achieved their dream of all going to Disneyland together with matching shirts. And it was a picture of them in front of whatever freaking famous like thing and they were wearing their poly Q shirts and all holding hands and I was like oh my god you're right is- my dream did just change that's what I <laughs> trip to Disneyland included yeah yeah and and even the idea of that you can have more than one primary partner blows people's minds because people are like okay okay so you and Joe are primary partners and everyone else is secondary okay and then you're like or not you know what I mean like shit changes you guys and it just it's fun to hear the glass break that's my favorite part um well Shane thank you so much it was a pleasure it was a pleasure and now that the mics are about to be off we can really enjoy the ripped in Hey, thanks so much for listening to Remodeled. We need some kind of cool tagline. Like, and remember, (laughs) you're responsible for your own happiness. And remember, three is not a crowd. There it is. (laughs) You're listening to Remodeled. (laughs)
Okay, welcome back to Remodeled the Podcast. And instead of in the Dream Life studio this time, joining us via Zoom, it's Shane Tolabeo. Hello, everyone. Hello. So, Shanezies, it's been a year since we recorded that interview. And at that time, we hadn't launched the podcast yet, but I told you it had been on my creative back burner for a really long time. And you were in town for our utility player family reunion, which I don't know if you realize we should be getting ready for 2021's family reunion. Right now. <laughs> oh, I realize. I realize. We should be getting ready to rehearse, booking your hotel room, booking your flight. I am... So sad, but if this is the only major loss that we have of of this pandemic, then we're very blessed. Yes, absolutely. So at this time last year, we were in town for the fam- you were in town for the family reunion, and I said, while you're here, I want to grab an interview because someday I'm going to start this polyamorous podcast. So you came in and we had a great chat. And now I would like to update the viewers on kind of where your life's at. So at that time you had a new boyfriend. He was new to polyamory. Where is all of that at now? Yeah, it was actually, wasn't a new boyfriend. He was a bit of a long term. We'd been dating for over a year. We lived together, um, but we hadn't really explored the whole world of poly together. I had in previous relationships, so it wasn't super new to me, but I also didn't want to springboard him into something he wasn't ready for. So we had just started opening up the aspect. Things were going well. We were having good communication. And then I came back from Reno, and shortly after, we broke up. It was fantastic. (laughs) Was it a good breakup? I mean, a a conscious uncoupling? Yes. Uh, There were some things around the relationship that had absolutely nothing to do with polyamory that just weren't working for us anymore. I think living together puts a strain on a relationship sometimes and you realize what you are willing to live with and what you aren't willing to live with. And it was just time for both of us, I think. That's cool. And I think one of the things I like best about polyamory too, is it gives you permission to begin redefining what a long-term relationship even needs to look like. And I even have several monogamous friends who are older. They've already had, you know, at least one marriage or divorce or several long-term relationships that didn't work. And they're like, I think that if I ever had another long-term relationship, I wouldn't want to live with them. Is that weird? And it's like, no, bitch, you get to decide whatever you want. And polyamorous people, I feel like, get that permission sooner to rewrite the script. Like maybe me and person X would have lasted a really long time if we had never moved in together or something like that. Yeah, it's nice to be able to see them when you want and to also be able to say, go home. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're out and dating now i imagine you're pretty upfront with you're polyamorous and this is what you this is the kind of relationship that you're seeking i am i don't make it shy or something that i'm going to spring on somebody later laying all the cards out on the table straight away because i don't want one to surprise anybody else with that sort of thing i'm not going to try to like bait someone into a polyamorous relationship when it's not something that they are willingly walking into you're you know you're opening yourself up for someone else to catch feels and then to drop something that they're unprepared for i don't think it's fair to do to anybody also it's a pandemic So dating is hard. (laughs) Yeah, polyamory and the panty 2021 version. Now we're like, I thought this would be over. This is so cute. I just had a backyard one hour hangout with my boyfriend. We ended physical contact probably like a couple weeks ago when him and his nesting partner decided that they were going to start going back to work in the office and she met a new boyfriend. So we had an adult conversation and ended that. And so we just hung out socially distanced outside and he walked me to my car and he was shutting the door of the passenger side because he was putting something in the seat for me and he said someday soon I'll kiss you again goodbye and I was like oh (laughs) it was really sweet and I was like that is so the vignette of ethical dating in a pandemic Absolutely. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to have, I have one guy that I'm seeing right now, but that's really as far as I'm willing to go out in the world as far as dating. I mean, I already work at a grocery store, so I try to limit my contact with outside of my my quarantine, if you will. So. Yeah, and so how fabulous is your quarantine? I'm guessing that utility player Taryn Gomez is in your quarantine. Uh, yes, 
utility player Taryn Gomez is in my quarantine and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's fun. We play lots of game nights. We watch RuPaul's Drag Race. I feel like Taryn Gomez, even though you're both queer, I feel like that's your primary relationship and everyone else is secondary. (laughs) I will tell you a fun fact. After I broke up with my ex at the time uh, and was talking to Taryn about it, she replied by saying, yeah, I knew once you started calling me the fun boyfriend that it wasn't going to last much longer. Oh, that's classic TG right there. (laughs) That is classic TG right there. So I don't know if you know this, but this podcast in only the first four episodes, as of this morning, had 1,600 downloads. So the DMs are coming in from everywhere. And this is kind of going back to something you were talking about a minute ago. We get this question very regularly. It's like, well, how do you let people know that you're polyamorous? And... (laughs) It made me think of when you were saying like, yeah, I lay it all out right in front. It's such a funny question to me because I I understand it's weird or that to someone who's not polyamorous, they think it's something that you hide and then you like come out at this like perfect opportunity. But I'm like, um, I write it on my Tinder profile. <laughs> like It's right there. It's right there. But I think that there is this proclivity to think that we hide it. And then spring it on people. I also wonder, really off topic, well, it's on topic now, but how many of those comments are coming from people who have never had to come out as anything in their life? I've already come out once. <laughs> I'm not shy about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I will say for me, this it does have some relevance when you know someone not not meeting them online you know you work with them or you have some kind of relationship with them and you might like them but you're not sure where they're at and so how do you sort of relay that information in a way that doesn't feel like it's putting pressure like so their question for me does have that kind of relevance to it but otherwise yeah it's a sort of a silly non-question it's sort of like when you're you meet someone at a party in a non-pandemic world and you're flirting and then their way of asking of taking that flirting to the next level is to say so are you single (laughs) and you're like um no and also (laughs) i'm available yeah, I imagine for some people that's a weird concept to grasp in the moment and be like, oh, you're you're not single, but you're available. This is still okay. And it becomes like, why is it okay? Do they not know? Are you hiding? It just raises more questions that I don't think sometimes seem to be overthought. Yeah, I just got a really good, somebody wrote into the podcast a couple of days ago. They were saying like, I, you know, me and my partner are newly polyamorous and I have been very interested in a friend of mine. I don't know what their relationship status is, but I would like to ask him out. My partner thinks it's unethical for me to ask him out because it could potentially cause problems in his current relationship if they're not polyamorous and then he gets offended that you asked or or his partner gets offended. And so you shouldn't ask, but I would like to ask. And you know, she was like, what is your advice? And the only thing I could think of is first of all, ask for consent, say, I have a question to ask you about your relationship. May I ask you? And then if they say yes, then great. Then at least you got their consent and then say, I'm curious if you are polyamorous or monogamous because we need to stop assuming people's genders and we need to normalize asking. We should be normalizing, not assuming people's sexualities. And I think that rewriting the cultural script on assuming people's relationship status, I think that that would make life for non-monogamous people a whole lot easier. I don't disagree. It's okay to ask. Does it say asking, are you in a polyamorous or monogamous relationship or asking if you're single or taken? Right. It's kind of gross to me that asking someone, are you single is the only way to get a gateway into a further conversation. So I agree completely that normalizing asking, oh, you're in a relationship, is it monogamous or polyamorous? And if that triggers that couple, then (laughs) sorry, that's on them, in my opinion. (laughs) So one of my favorite things about you is that you are one of the biggest 
nerds on this planet. I am. It's true. And not just like um, any kind of. We're on Zoom and you can see my action figures. <laughs> Encased. Yes, he does. You know, if you're listening to this right now, behind Shane is a very tall, encased display cabinet of action figures, all in their boxes. In pristine condition, I'm sure. Of course. So, what kind of nerd are you? Tell us about that. How does your nerddom find expression? Uh, I am a video game nerd i am a comic book nerd i am a collecting nerd uh, i am a dog cat video nerd uh it was <laughs> a very full-on full spectrum of the amount of nerd nerddom that i have sci-fi movies board games you name it and i'll at least hang out in it for a second and see if i like it i love that about you and specifically you are a marvel nerd this is very important yes distinction a, a marvel comics nerd Yes. yes. There is something very exciting related to polyamory happening in the Marvel world. And this is why I told you, hey, I want to have a Zoom session with you and create a second half of our interview for this podcast because I would love to hear you nerd out and tell everyone what is happening in the world of Marvel and why it is so exciting for the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things are happening. It started, honestly, about a year ago, about the time we filmed our first half of the podcast. X-Men, the Marvel Comics X-Men, for those of you who are not familiar of the mutants, uh, went through a major shakeup. Brand new stories being told. Different creators take over the license and the lines, and they start putting their creative vision into it. And this happened with a writer's name is Jonathan Hickman. Uh, and he started this whole new world of X-Men and they moved on to this island, if you will, and built like an institute there. I won't bore you with all of the nerdy details, but just know that it does exist. And one of the things that have always been like an underlying story of the X-Men was that there was Scott Summers or Cyclops and Jean Grey and they were in love and married. But then there was also Wolverine or Logan, who always loved Jean Grey from a side. And so it was always a love triangle of sorts of like, who is it gonna, who is she gonna pick? Everyone's favorite trope. And it spawned lots of stories over many, many decades of which one is she going to end up with? There's always flirting. There's always a little bit of resentment, some non-trust issues happening. Here we are in this new X-Men world. And they had a blueprint or layout of where everybody lives in this institute. And there are pods of rooms. And there's like three pods here and three pods over here. And all of them are like circles with a front door. Um, until you get to Scott, Gene, and Logan's, which are the circles with their own front doors. But they're also connected doorways for the three rooms. So their three rooms are the only ones in this blueprint that have connecting doors into them. So why do they have connecting doors? And so that, that was the first, yes, it is. That was the first hint of the potential polyamorous world that they are now living in. Nothing has been said outright. There have been lots of innuendos, if you will, conversations about like Scott joins Logan and was like, hey, Gene and I are thinking of going on this vacation to this beautiful tropical island. You should come. And Wolverine responds like, oh, Gene in a bikini. And he was, and Scott said, Scott in a Speedo. And Wolverine responds, <laughs> I could think of worse things. So, so they're um, flirting. There's they're flirting there's been images of the three of them like six pack in hand the three of them with their arms around each other what looks like scott's hand on wolverine's torso i've seen it yeah it's it's good stuff it's juicy um, this is way better than a soap opera why don't i read comic books why don't you read comic books uh there's scenes where scott and gene are walking hand in hand and then in the next panel she's kissing Wolverine on the cheek scenes with Jean and Wolverine getting it on in a hot tub. She's still hand in hand with Scott in other ones. So who knows? Signs are pointing to a polyam situation here. Absolutely. In 
I have seen those two mutants, and I just want to say good for her. Yeah, right? Yeah, rock on, Jean. Could do a lot Get worse. It. Fun fact, this is also not the first or, well, it might be the first, but it's not the only hint of polyamory in the Marvel <gasps> Universe. Tell us more. There's a character by the name of Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy, or Peter Quill. Uh, he ends up on a different planet in an alternate universe. Again, I won't bore you with the details, uh, but he ends up in this alternate planet where he meets these other two humanoid beings. One is male, one is female. They are in a relationship together. He ends up spending, because it's an alternate reality, like 150 years with them. And he spends the first amount of time trying to get back to his home world. And then finally accepts that, like, this is where I am. And he was like, I've, I've accepted it. This is my home now. You two are my home as they're sitting in a loving embrace inside of a hot tub together. So not only did they make Star-Lord bisexual, but they also put him into a polyamorous thruple, which y'all know my thoughts on thruples. <laughs> Filed away, my friend. So speaking of thruples, pop culturally, what are some other love triangles that you wish were thruples, thus ending the drama, or suspect might actually be a thruple, but the rest of us aren't picking up on it? Oh, that is a good one. That last bit is, that's a good one. Some that I wish would just thruple and get it over with, the Hunger Games. If you all are familiar with the Hunger Games and Katniss and PETA, and I don't even remember the hot one's name. Um, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth's brother. I don't remember the character's name. However, like this is a movie about a revolution, and you focus on who this girl is going to end up with in the end. How dare you? Like, nobody cares. How dare you? So there's one. There's one of my... Holy Trinities is what I was going to say. I'm going to stick with it. I've said it. It's out there. Buffy, Spike, and Angel. Oh, God. You know, people think that, like, without the drama, no one would watch. I would watch that for just... I would watch that. For happy... Turns out there's an audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, for all the thruple sex scenes. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. Also, a little bit mixed feelings on that one, because... I also think that Buffy should not be with either of them because they were both pretty broken relationships uh, that left her probably more harm than good. Buffy could do better. Buffy could do better. And then the ones that were probably secretly a thruple and didn't tell anyone about, uh, I'm going to go, and this might be a little far-reaching for your nerd knowledge, but I'm going to go backwards in time a bit and let's talk Doctor Who with his companion Rose and Captain Jack. Uh, I de definitely think that those three were boning in the TARDIS <laughs> to find out if it truly was bigger on the inside <laughs> as the trope goes. That's amazing. You know, my pop culture knowledge is limited, but I really am going to take us back to Gilmore Girls. Like, she can be with Luke and Christopher. That's fine. I just feel like Lorelai and Christopher need to fuck a couple times a year. Obviously, sustainable relationship, never going to happen. Domestically, she's better partnered with Luke. But, like, occasionally Christopher comes to town on his motorcycle. They fuck for a weekend at the bed and breakfast. And then that's it. I've got one to contribute here. Going back. Yeah, and then he drives off again. <laughs> oh, please do. So, going classic here, Zach Morris, Kelly Kompowski. AC Slater. They could decide who gets oh, her at there's... the max. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that is another good, solid one. I, I would take that. And then, like, Jesse's around for that, too. Oh, and now so it's you a polycule. into the mix. Like, yeah, I don't need it to just be a thruple. I, I support polycules. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just so much potential. And I would love, you know, as a kid, I remember looking at these love triangles and just naturally having the thought, why can't they have both? It felt force-fed down my throat. And I just remember having the thought on my own, well, if everyone was okay with it, then it wouldn't be a problem. Right, <laughs> right. They just are willing to talk about it. And, you know, I'm not even going to say that polyamory is for everybody. Like, monogamy is fine. If that's your cup of tea, that's fine. And tell great love stories. Tell me great monogamous love stories. Just stop telling me love triangle stories because I don't care anymore. Mm. I'm bored Eight with it. It's the men, my friend. I'm bored. I love Christmas movies. Like Christmas movies are my jam and 95% of them are a love triangle. 
of some sort from somewhere a jealous ex a successful boyfriend or fiance back home but then i traveled to my quaint country hometown and the i don't know logger who lives there is strapping and wears plaid and now i love him and but what am i going to do about my fiance i just don't care anymore yeah and like cut to like texting your fiance hey babe there's this logger is he wearing flannel he is is he hot he is oh we'll have a good time see you in two weeks you're in two weeks discussion does he want to come here for new year's i don't what what are we doing what a concept well shane this has been lovely just to see your face it always is yeah it's nice to see you oh do you want to see the belly i do look at that you're growing a human in there oh super funny in the episode we recorded last year i say something about oh it's socially acceptable to love more than one kid but not more than one partner and then you said i don't know is it though and i said don't look at me i'll never know <laughs> what I'm saying is this is your fault. <laughs> you you accepted my challenge. And I do have to say, I have so much fear around like making Aslan share me, share my love, questioning whether my heart can expand to include another one. And people would be like, that's so weird, you know. But I don't feel that way with Joe at all. But I definitely feel that way with Aslan. And if you are worried about that. Just don't worry, because we all know that I am your favorite kid, <laughs> as land be damned. You know what? That's the perfect place to end this. Well, Shane, I am hoping that our reunion 2022 happens and that we sell out Cargo again. It's weird to think that that show was the last major live show. One of the last major live shows in Reno before the pandemic hit. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being such a positive example of healthy polyamory for the rest of us. And I miss you so much. And I can't wait to share the stage with you again. We miss you, Shane. I miss you. I can't wait for the same. I miss you guys so much. Mm. All right, boo-boo. I love you. I love you. Good night. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I want to remind you that you can engage with all of the various forms of media we're releasing. We're on Instagram at Remodeled Love, previously your judgmental friend, and Home Slice Productions. We're on TikTok at Home Slice Productions, and on YouTube, just search Jessica Levity. That's me. I also want to give a huge shout out to all of the new patrons who have begun supporting our journey via Patreon. Dave V, Erica H, Joe M, Matthew N, Amy S, and Sayada. Y'all have no idea what it means to me that you support our work in this way. You could become a patron of Remodeled at patreon.com slash homeslice-productions for as little as $3 a month. I want to thank our executive producers of Remodeled, Homeslice Productions, and Amy Stashik-Moore. You can email us at remodeledlove at gmail.com or submit an anonymous form at homeslice-productions.com slash remodeled. Thank you all for listening and for sharing this podcast with your friends. We are well on our way to our mission, which is to redefine love. You're listening to Remodeled. See you next week. I fall in love just a little, little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day.